met Tom Dans at CPAC in Dallas. And I wanted to bring him into the economic war room because I was talking with him about the dangers of, of ESG and the possible solutions that they have. You know, we talk about LSV investing and patriotic investing all the time. Then he told me about JSG, which is very, very similar. And he's with JSGfunds.com. JSG is a new investing strategy. It seeks to identify outperformance linked to U.S. jobs, security, and growth. It seeks to deliver returns for investors, but also have positive benefits for communities across the United States. Now, this is Thomas Emanuel Dance. He's got a Chartered Financial Analyst designation, CFA. That's, that's what I put three years of my life into getting. It's an important credential. He's also the co-founder and portfolio manager at Amber Wave. He has 30 years of successful investment management experience. And prior to Amber Wave, he served as a counselor to the Undersecretary for International Affairs at the United States Department of the Treasury, under Trump, where he helped lead a number of Treasury's initiatives to combat the economic effects of the pandemic and was twice awarded the Secretary's Honor Award. We have a lot in common. I'm excited to introduce you to Tom Dance. Tom, welcome to the Economic hey, War Room. thank you, Kevin. It's delightful to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, your bio, and I want to start with this, mentions that you speak five languages. Yes. What are those five languages? Uh, well, uh, English is the first one. Okay. And uh, then uh, from my family background, uh, I kind of had French as it, on my mom's side. It came up with that, and then Spanish on my dad's side. Okay, and, that's three. Uh, I, I kept that going, and then... Um, I learned Italian in, in uh, college, took okay. it out of interest, and, uh, but Russian's been my main language. It was kind of, really? yeah, Russian is the one where uh, kind of had a knock on the door my parents did when I was in sixth grade. Um, we, we, we grew up outside Baltimore, and the school was built uh, in 1957 in Sputnik in the height of the space race, and the idea was the government in public school wanted to train homegrown American kids to learn Russian wow. fluently. So they, they pulled, you know, pulled some of us aside that had you know, some you know, language abilities and we started learning Russian. So. Well, I worked at, at Templeton for about a decade, built, helped build their private client group. And I'll tell you, knowing and understanding language is important to understanding international investing. But it's also important to understanding what's happening in the world today. So it, it, that's a real advantage. Oh, for you. absolutely. And, and uh, you know, part of working internationally is that it really makes you appreciate what you have here at home. You know, I've, I've, I've lived, worked, and traveled in 40 countries. I've, I've done business across the world. Uh, I've met fascinating people. I've, I've got to know them, become friends. I've seen the way people think and operate abroad. But I come home and I'm always thankful for the blessings that God bestowed on this country and on us. And that's our responsibility to, to, to continue them and make sure that they're fully realized. Yeah, so you're coming, you work at the Treasury Department, which I imagine is very helpful. Uh, you've been in all these countries, you've managed money, uh, but now you've started something new called Amber Wave. Yes. What does Amber Wave stand for? So Amber Wave is basically our view of let's create a new, I, I, I formed it with two of my former colleagues from Treasury too, and coming out of the, the, that intense period that we had, especially during COVID and, and basically uh, fighting a war uh, against a potential economic calamity in this country, that this has really been, you know, 
fun and engage. How do we take this forward? But more, more importantly, how do we create and, 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 and continue some of the policies in more of a private sector sense that President Trump and his administration put into place? Real attention on turning the ship around for the country economically. Now, how was Treasury when you were there? I mean, you, I, I certainly know in the State Department and other departments the President had difficulty implementing his policies, and that's always been true for, for Republicans primarily. It was true for Ronald Reagan, uh, and I've heard all the horror stories that he had to deal with state and so forth. What was it like at Treasury? Uh, you know, Treasury was, it, it was a special time. It was a uh, unique time because of the COVID overlay. It, it was very thinly staffed. So we probably had 30 or 40 percent of the personnel that were uh, that we could have, and then during the the, the uh, height of the crisis, too, we probably had 10 percent of people in the building. So it was really a, a close feeling of working together in a, in a, a battle. Uh, I think uh, Secretary Mnuchin did an extraordinary job given the challenges in front of him. I, you know, we were able, it, it drew him away from I think um, some of the longer medium and longer term plans that we're, we're getting in, in to place. But, um, you know, all in all, I think the, the uh, we, we lived to fight another day. Yeah. And, and that was the That, that was, the key in thing. my opinion, the, the COVID was the greatest economic weapon ever unleashed in economic warfare. And, uh, you know, if it helped, in my opinion, also, uh, Treasury's been a bit too globalist. Uh, the, you know, when you, when you have an investment department their customers are often foreign uh, entities buying treasury bonds. And so sometimes you sell your book, you, you, you know, you, you have to worry about what the customer thinks. Uh, but it, it seems like you all did under President Trump a, a pretty good job of helping to right that ship. I, I, I think so. I think we were certainly heading in the right direction. We were really trying to uh, reassert America's role through some of these multilateral financial institutions, which had really kind of lost their way and were being co-opted really by our adversaries. So beginning to take that back, it's probably something that a lot of people don't give a lot of attention to, but it really helps uh, extend U.S. policy around the world through the investments that are made. Yeah. Well, tell me about your colleagues. You came over with two colleagues. Yeah. So uh, I've got two partners, uh, I, I, Dan Katz and Stephen Myron. Uh, Dan's background, uh, both of the fellows are also Wall Street backgrounds like myself that basically came up and said, we, we really embrace what's going on here. And more than that, we're willing to walk away from what we're doing and basically be told, hey, you're not coming back. To, you go to work for this guy, you will not work on the street again. You know, I told that by many, and I said, you're, maybe you're just telling me that to make me feel good. But I, I've been on Main Street here for a while as an entrepreneur after I left Wall Street. Um, but so Steve, uh, you know, Dan is an investment banker, an attorney, uh, basically Goldman Sachs, uh, but very skillfully has, has used his learning and his abilities to kind of help move this movement, right? And then Steve Meyer is a Harvard-trained PhD economist and, and really, uh, you know, a lot of our brain power in the operation. So. Well, that's great. Well, let's, let's, um, we're going to have to take a break. But what you've just described, Harvard-trained, Wall Street and Washington, D.C., that sounds like swamp to me, and yet somehow you're taking an investment firm and helping make America great again. We'll talk more when we come back. 
Hey, Tom, we've been talking about you and your two partners. You've got Wall Street experience. You took that big leap to go work for the Trump administration, which is a career ender on Wall Street, a lot of people will say. Then you get into the D.C. swamp, and you deal with that in the midst of COVID and everything else. You've got these Ivy League educations in your group, and globalists, you've traveled around the world. But how do you then take that and create what I believe is one of the great investment funds that is helping individual Americans uh, support their country patriotically. Right. Well, it's it's basically using the tools you already have in front of you and just and just putting the pieces together in a different way that says we don't need to head this way. We really need to be headed that but way. Why? So how I do mean, we? Gl globalism is the big thing on Wall Street. It's the big thing in Washington. Why is it that you would be willing to go a different you know, direction? It, it's, it's, I think everybody who's in this business ultimately has a personal motivation to do it. I, I love this country. I want to see the best for it. I, you know, it's what my, uh, you know, the way I grew up, I saw the sacrifices of my own family. I, my mom's side had, had four brothers and two brother-in-laws that fought in World War II. My, my grandfather was a merchant mariner, uh, had his uh, boat torpedoed and sunk in World War II. So it's a, these are people who had grade school educations that worked so that my, my parents' generation could advance and that was ultimately gave me the ability to get to an Ivy League school. It was never something that would have been dreamed of uh, by my grandparents. And I said, this is, this is the American dream. I, you know, there are a lot of great stories out there. My family is just one example of it. And I said, if people like me that are, are given many blessings do not, do not work to provide them for others, then w what is your life for? What, you know, how, many, how many yachts can you water ski behind? I'm not in that category, but I don't really care to know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So here we are. You look at Wall Street today. It is down the road with ESG investing, yep. which is globalist. It's big government, supports big right. tech. Uh, it's a progressive plethora of dreams and wishes being foisted on the American people. And you say, we're going to start something new, which is hard. I mean, I helped build a new investment management company with Templeton. I had the backing of John right. Temple. That was still hard. Right. Uh, it took us 10 years to get $2.5 under management almost. Right. So why would you do that? And, and what is, is JSG? Sure. So... Uh, Okay, so our view was th there is a demand for this. We know because we talk to people. We live out in the real world. We talk to, our, the, to the people who care, right? But they just don't off. They're not offered the products, and they also because of they have busy lives and in unrelated businesses. They don't understand all of the inside baseball and the intricacies that we do from work on Wall Street. So, JSG stands for three values that we feel unite Americans. So it's not we're never anti-ESG. We're careful to say that, although we're not believers in ESG. Right. We're well, trying I'm, to offer, I'm for a good environment. Yeah. I'm for a good society. Who, I'm for good absolutely. government. Absolutely, and who isn't? And yeah. that's the false premise of ESG. But we say, let's find, cat, let's find criteria that unite us, that we can get on the same page with, because ultimately we can't have one half the country head in one direction, the other in the other. So we say, U.S. jobs, J, national security, S, and broad-based economic growth, G, benefiting, importantly, American communities. We're not out there to, to make the world a better place. Yes, we will, but we're, gonna, we're going to make the world a better place by making America a stronger Oh, I place. love that. I love that. Well, we promote 
liberty, security, and values. And if you're successful, JSG promotes liberty, security, they're and values. Very, they're very similar. There's a lot, in the Venn diagram, I yeah. see a lot of intersection Massive between the overlap. two. Yes, yep. absolutely. So you started this and you, you know, we've been out there for, for uh, more than a decade trying to promote the idea that your investments, you're responsible for, right. and if you hand it off right. to a BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, yeah, and it's not just me saying this. I mean, you probably saw John Bogle in 2018, shortly before he died, saying, I built the greatest index fund ideas, the greatest innovation in the industry, but right. if you hand it over to where other people get to vote the proxies, they will ultimately control the corporations, and when they do, they'll be weaponized against you. We've seen his prophecy play out. Absolutely, and again, to, to dive in maybe into the weeds too far, but you look at proxy voting, and what we're talking about here is basically the ability to control your dollars. Your dollars are representing partial interests in the companies, right? But that gets, when those amounts get so big, the, the managers require outside parties to help them vote and tell them, importantly, how to vote, right? There are two firms that do this. They capture about 70% of Wall Street money is held by institutional investors. Two firms mostly advise 90% of that market. One is called ISS, Institutional Shareholder Services, and the other one is Glass, Glass right? Lewis, right? Absolutely, Glass-Lewis. Well, people be surprised to know just who owns ISS. It's a German company. So you think about it, who is really, at the end of the day, driving the votes here in, yeah, for scary. controlling U.S. companies? They in, were. When, yes. I, when I was at Temple, ISS and Glasslows were looking out for their shareholder much more than they are today. Now they're looking out for a progressive agenda. And they, they tend to vote, so you end up with, and this is really important, the control of major American companies in the hands of people voted for by what foreigners and progressives want to see happen. Tell us about ExxonMobil. Yeah, well, ExxonMobil is, is one example, I, and I'll talk about another. You know, ExxonMobil is not in our, in our portfolio. Our, so our fund, our key fund here is Amberwave Invest USA, JSG fund. It trades on the New York Stock Exchange, the ticker is IUSA for Invest USA, right? So uh, in that fund, I'll just step back, but we have uh, basically 100 names, 100 companies of the S&P 500, and all the sectors are represented according to the same balances that they have in the, in the greater S&P 500 average. So we have energy, but energy comprises a small part because the S&P, remember, is market cap weighted. Right, But in that, what we do is we pick the top 20%, the top quintile of names in that sector that we think best represent JSG qualities. Exxon, although we love Exxon, they do a lot of good, right? They don't make the cut. Exxon pub makes a point to publish an impacts report that covers every other country except the U.S. They replaced three of their directors last year with very kind of partisan uh, agenda-driven investors. And I think what you saw is, yes, they had a they're having tremendous results, but, you know, it impacts things like when they pull out of Russia. I, you know, that's been a 30-year investment for Russia, for, for Exxon and Sakhalin 1, and they, and they pulled the ripcord and ran away from it. So 
We're going to have to talk yeah. more when we come back from the break, but I want to dive in on Exxon okay. One, Exxon and Engine One. Who helped cause soaring gas prices? BlackRock. Who contributed to outrageous housing prices? BlackRock. BlackRock and Larry Fink spent years harassing oil and gas companies, making them divest from fossil fuels. Now you feel the pain. And BlackRock-owned companies are snatching up houses, crippling families. Now BlackRock's former ESG czar, Brian Deese, is Biden's economic advisor, crushing America from within. That's what BlackRock is really about. Before the break, we were talking about your investing strategy, how you've got energy. You talked about why you don't hold Exxon. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Engine One, a very radical, the opposite of JSG in so many ways, right. activist investor decided they wanted to reshape ExxonMobil. And they had the help of index funds, yes. mainly BlackRock. Uh, using the ownership of the American people who put their money in index funds, and they replaced three directors, and yes. you you describe them. Tell a little about how that process happened. Well, I, you know, it it was almost uh, uh, the battle was fought before the first shot was fired, right? Because they knew if they lined up the votes, like anything else we see in politics, that you can just steamroll something through. And uh, in this case, they did. As you mentioned, they have BlackRock. I believe they have Vanguard. They got uh, the, the support of a couple other institutions. And they, and they created a story around why they needed these additional directors. Of course, that was to advance ESG, but also to, to speed the company on an uh, energy trans 
transition as they've kind of tied to. Now, you know, for us, I, I won't get too much into the hows and whys that happened. I, I wish Exxon uh, good luck. I, I, it's a great company, great American story. Right, I think they, and they haven't, they haven't lost energy. their way. I think yeah. they, they can do better. Uh, you know, but the management opposed, yeah. I think the Exxon management opposed those three directors and they were forced on them by outside investors. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the, part of the shame of this is that we are fighting against ourselves. And, you know, what Exxon, what you'd like to see Exxon doing, and so I was a, a commission, I was appointed by President Trump as a commissioner on the Arctic Research Commission, the U.S. Arctic Research Commission, and I represented uh, oil and gas interests, among others, there. Alaska is something that people hardly ever talk about today. But Alaska is key to how we got out of the last recession. If you remember, the first oil flowed off the North Slope in 1976 after the cartel, OPEC, took, took control of things. By 82, we went from first oil to three million barrels a day, wow. if you can imagine, out of Alaska. That investment of building TAPS, the Trans-Alaska uh, Trans Pipeline System, was $8 billion in today's. Now, Russia, who we're experiencing, we're, we're seeing their energy leverage play out, and it's hurting the U.S. because we have to go help our European allies, which is important. Now, Russia announced in 2020 they're going to spend $300 billion developing oil and gas in the Arctic. Meanwhile, we're shut down That's up crazy. There. I was and, actually in Alaska this summer. I took my summer vacation with family there. And I can tell you the, the horror stories, if we build the Trans-Alaska Pipeline, it's going to ruin Alaska forever. I was all over that state. I'll tell you, it's not ruined. It's a beautiful no, there, state. There are many ways, and there's better technology out today. We can do it cleanly. safe. If you can't do it in Alaska, you can't do it anywhere. With American know-how and technology, ExxonMobil needs to be a national champion that they were back in the day when they, when they brought that first oil out. So um, that's, that's, you know, we, any company can be a JSG leader. We view that, and everybody can bring up their game, and that's part of what we hope to do in the future. You know, just, just as ISS goes around and has consultative processes with investing with management teams to try and improve their ESG scores, which translates into better, you know, compensation, we're not coming at it from that direction. We want to see the, the companies raise their level of business. And the more money you have, the more influence you have. I know that from being in the, working for Templeton. When I would call people and say, I represent Templeton, they went out of their way because they knew that we were a big player. You need to be a big player because you represent our value. Yes, yes, absolutely. So give me some examples. What, what are the companies that meet your criteria you, you, or, yeah. or you're looking at? Sure. Uh, I mean, not to dwell too much on oil and gas, but we, we really like Phillips 66. I mean, that is a great business. Bartlesville, that, that Oklahoma, Bartlesville, Oklahoma, just up the road. I know a lot of Phillips executives. Actually, great company. 7,100 service stations in 48 states, uh, 12 refineries, mostly in the U.S., some in Europe. I mean, just a key a business that helps America run. But when you when you dig into it, like this has one of the longest, I mean, you have multi-generations that have built lives, careers, and, and Phillips is part of these communities, right? They're high paying quality U.S. jobs. In fact, their median employee compensation 
is in the mid is is I, I believe it's about one hundred seventy thousand dollars. If you it's, can imagine, it's great, got it's, great governance, great employees. In fact, one of my close friends was an engineer, has all these patents yeah. from Philips, and he's made so much money. He's retired now that he was able to fund a library at a college campus, a dorm at a college campus, Absolutely. giving his money away, generous to a fault. Wonderful, wonderful Absolutely. company. Yep. And, and the valuation on these stocks is bombed out because, remember, Wall Street kind of prevented a lot of investors from getting into them. So consequently, you have... Uh, Phillips trading at like $40 a share, which implies a $40 billion market cap. Well, uh, they've just returned about, you know, generated about $3.1 million in Q2. Uh, and over the course of the last 10 years, they've distributed 30, $29 billion and paid $10 billion in taxes. That's great. So give us another example. Uh, so, uh, you know, a smaller company people might not know, John, John Henry, Jack Henry Associates is a, actually one of the businesses that we like in our security side. Now, this is a financial services company that won't be known by many, but it's, it's a business that basically provides the back architecture to make our financial systems stronger and safer and, so more, secure. It, it, and more secure. So that's, that's a type of business where it may be small, and unglamorous, but they're at it every day, keeping Americans safe. So if people want to hire, uh, you've got the Charter Financial Analyst designation, you've got brilliant partners, you love America, if people want to hire you, how do they do that? Yeah, well, hiring us is investing in us. So, you know, it's, it's as easy as going, we're available on any, on any uh, kind of direct retail platform or ask your financial so, so advisor the ticker about it. So for? the ticker is IUSA for Invest USA. In fact, we, we had the, the pleasure of ringing the closing bell at the NYSC last uh, Monday. It was a real thrill That's for awesome. us. So, Invest yeah. USA. Invest USA, IUSA, NYSE traded. You can buy, it's an ETF, so you can buy it, sell it any time. We hope you won't sell it, but, uh, but certainly, yes, ask your broker. Go to our website, jsgfunds.com or Amber Wave Partners, Amber Wave, no S, partners.com for more That's information. Awesome. Thank you, Tom, for being here. I'll tell you, this is what we talk about all the time in the economic war room, and here it's being played out in a simple way. So financial advisors, have you gone through our NSIC training? If you haven't, go to NSIC.org and sign up for an eight-week course to tell you exactly why you need JSG investments and other things like that. We really believe in America, and I know you do as well, and JSG is helping America. It's a way to invest in what you believe in. It's be one of those small ships that we talk about all the time to rescue America. We cover all of this in our economic battle plan. You can get more information at economicwarroom.com. Remember what Jesus told us. He said, if you're not faithful with your unrighteous mammon, you will not be trusted with true riches. This is an economic war. It's a battle. Remember what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.